Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. GM, I'm Dan Roberts. I'm Stacey Elliott. And I'm Stephen Graves. And this is... GM from Decrypt. All right, GM Stacy, and today we'll say GM to SBF, our first ever return guest on the podcast. Certainly big enough right now and in the news enough to merit returning. GM Dan, he was also our founder of the year for 2021. That's right. And what a founder. I mean, gosh, every time FTX comes up, the most interesting thing to me is just how quickly everything has happened and developed. I mean, even three years ago, Many, many people, including people in crypto, barely had heard of Sam Bankman-Fried. And now, of course, arguably the most ubiquitous or, or the biggest person, the most discussed person in crypto right now, it's certainly either him or CZ. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was all the sports marketing spending last year. He's now on a bunch of billboards. And we're also seeing him step in and kind of act as the backstop for a lot of the companies that are failing right now. Well, maybe not a lot, but two main ones that we want to ask him about. Mm, the savior. Yeah, we definitely have to push him on on those bailouts. Of course, when they first began, there were people saying, well, can you really call it a bailout? And now I think I hear less of that. It's like, yes, they are bailouts. And, you know, we need to ask him, is that really the right path for the industry to get healthy again? Yeah, I mean, Sam is famously focused on upside. Like he'll do something that's risky as long as there's enough upside for him. So I really want to ask him about some of the rationale for you know, why he wanted to step in and, you know, how he sees this benefiting them and what he hopes to get out of it. Totally. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. All his trips to D.C., the campaign fundraising contributions. So uh, let's bring him on, right? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Sam Begman-Fried, GM, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excellent to have you back. You are our first returning guest, and I think it's very appropriate given everything going on. Let's dive into news this way. Here we sit in August, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, all of the calendar year hasn't been great for crypto, but the current bear market or crypto winter, I think, started in earnest in early May. What do you make of where we stand right now? What's your outlook, especially at a time when I think the current crash has allowed a lot of people to point and say, oh, see, crypto's in a terrible place and, you know, how could it possibly come back and everything is, is bad? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it, it, it's certainly been a brutal semester, you know, for the markets. And I I won't be say, sort of shocking anyone to say that markets are down a lot. But, you know, I think the context does paint a uh, a somewhat nuanced picture of it. One piece is just like everything is down. This isn't just crypto. And there has been some crypto underperformance, but a lot of this is is just like interest rates changing. You know, Fed changes expectations yeah, of future rates, risk assets move. And then, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of months, you know, especially as Bitcoin dipped below 30K, has been somewhat more crypto specific and somewhat more focused on, you know, the various blowouts that have happened in the ecosystem. But, you know, I don't know anything for sure. But as far as I can tell, it, it does seem like, uh, at least for now, those may be over, or at the very least, 
there's no super compelling reason to think that uh that that more of those are coming and 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 I do think that that helps that there's uh the the things that seem like they're going to blow out by knowledge sort of already have and you know if if uh markets fall a lot more we're going to potentially see more pain but I don't know that there's more pain coming around and then so I want to talk specifically about some of the high yield lenders that that blew you know the blowouts that you were just referring you know, that that was their big marketing thing. They were bringing more people in by saying, we've got these really high yields. You can make yep. money on your crypto without selling your crypto. How badly is that going to damage the reputation of crypto in general that that happened and that so many of them in the same category are no more? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly it, it is an overall hit for the ecosystem. And, you know, I, I think it would be uh, you know weird to say otherwise. I do think that, that you know, people have lost some faith. I think that that you know, it was mostly froth to some extent that that was lost. I mean, I think it was always sort of over eager confidence that 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 led us there in the first place. But I, you know, I, I think that there's going to be more scrutiny next time around. There's going to be more attempts to be sort of discerning about platforms and to understand like where, you know, if, if something seems like free money, like where is it really coming from? Mm-hmm. I want to... um I guess kind of play on the analogy like you've you've been saying, you know, there was this contagion and even though we didn't create it, we have to try to help stop it. You know, has the contagion been contained, eradicated? Like is are those blowouts what helped bring some of the contagion out of them out of, you know, the crypto space? Like what to kind of carry that analogy forward? Yeah. What's what's the status? Yeah, no, I think basically like there was contagion. Um, There was some. It hurt some other businesses as well. You know, as far as I can tell. Most of that has trickled through already. And, you know, there isn't sort of like more contagion waiting. I think that like it, you know, mostly just hit places that were a little bit rickety to begin with. But, you know, I think if things had gotten much more dire, you could have seen a situation where, you know, everyone started blowing out. Not everyone, obviously, but, but where, you know, a large refraction is wasted. I think that would have been a lot more unhealthy. And so I do think that there is real value in in sort of limiting the contagion to the extent possible to businesses that were particularly exposed. When you say, Sam, that you think not likely to get worse or that the contagion has somewhat been stanched, I guess the inverse question would be, what do you think has to happen to make things much better? I mean, it's one thing to say, I I think that the damage, the worst of the damage is done, but what could prompt another bull run like we saw in the peak of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, some of this obviously is just going to be overall like interest rates and macro environment. And, and, you know, if we just see an overall economic recovery, I think we're also going to see somewhat of a crypto recovery. So that, that, that sort of is one piece of the answer. Maybe not the most exciting piece of it. Outside of that, you know, I think that actual use cases are a big part of that. Like if you, if you ask like what ultimately is really going to lead to a big crypto bull run, I think a lot of my answer would be, well, it's going to be, you know, people getting to a place where they're using crypto for everyday purposes. And, and you know, whether it's for payments, remittances, social media markets or other things, that's, that's I, I think, probably one big piece of this. And then, you know, the other piece I would say is regulation, you know, getting to a point where there is actually really, uh, you know, comprehensive, clear regulation in the ecosystem that people can follow and understand. When you say use cases, that's really interesting to me. I mean, we'll definitely also talk about regulation, but I always say the same, that I think for a lot of skeptics, it's going to take seeing actual use cases to convert them. And, you know, sticking with the idea that the past few months have also 
as a crash always is, they've been bad for, you know, optics or reputation. Uh, when you talk about the use cases, especially when it comes to something like DeFi, I mean, you had that podcast yep. interview, I think, where they interpreted your explanation as it just sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Some of these things can be difficult to prove out and defend. You know, what are what's your answers these days when people kind of say, well, what are the use cases right now? I mean, how do you sort of defend the the existence of, of some of these protocols? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them are really cool ideas and really cool test cases. I think most of them are not really yet in the realm of being like live use cases. Like, I think the honest answer is that most of these are, you know, still getting their feet, you know, kind of under them as far as being a use case is concerned. And, and so part of my answer really is like, well, you know, I... I don't think that like that live use cases currently being sort of used for vital parts of, of the world is like the right way to describe most of crypto today. Now, that's not to say that it never will be. And I think it, in many ways, we might be not that far away from that changing. Uh, we might be not that far away from a world in which uh, crypto is actually seeing a ton of adoption and, and usage. And, and I think a lot of good sort of like mapping out has been done. But, but, but I think that like network effects are one of the big barriers here where, you know, you look at remittances or payments, right? In order for those to really take off of blockchain rails, you need both sender and receiver. And you have that sort of quadratic hill of line because of that. And, and so I think it's going to take a bit of time. Sam, I want to ask about the, the deals that you did with BlockFi and Voyager Digital. I'm sure it's not a surprise that I want to ask about them. I mean, you know, everyone's been talking about them quite a bit and they've been polarizing. So you know, yep. you've either been likened to Atlas, who is propping up the entire crypto industry, or people have said, you know, you're the savior in air quotes, suggesting that eh, it's really not that great. You know, how do you see yourself in all this? So, you know, the way that I see it is, look, the most important thing here, the most important thing that we can do is, you know, make sure to protect the ecosystem, is, is to make sure that the STEM contagion and to protect customer assets. And Frankly, I would love it if other people did that. I don't want to be the person doing that. And, you know, I would be super happy for others to, to, to take that on instead of me. You know, the reason that I have been doing it, frankly, is because, you know, I, it doesn't seem clear to me that there are others who are stepping, you know, stepping up and doing that. Um, and, you know, on all of these, uh, these sort of like bailout like things that we've tried, we've reached out to everyone we could in the ecosystem and said, Hey, you guys interested in like, you know, working with us on this? And, you know, in general, uh, no was the answer, or rather, yes, followed by, wait, that company looks like there might be a hole in the balance sheet, and mm -hmm. maybe there is some mismanagement. And we're sort of like, I don't know what you're expecting, dude. You know, why, why do you think they're looking for bailouts? And so, you know, our sense has been that they're really, to, to a disappointing extent, haven't been that many people who have actually been game uh, to pitch in here. And, you know, we think the most important thing is that one way or another that like these holes are plugged and we'll do it if, 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 if no one else will. And we think that's the right thing to do. Uh, but certainly we would prefer on the margin if instead, you know, other people were, were shouldering along this, that that would be better. Okay. And then I, I wanted to ask, you know, I know you, you're always calculating upside. So, you know, with these two particular companies, what is the upside here? I mean, you know, they, they were very distressed when you stepped in, you know, what, Where's the upside and what do you hope to see change at those companies now that you have stepped in? So, you know, it, it's different in different cases and none of this is, is as perfect as one could imagine. But, you know, basically speaking, 
what we're looking for here is, you know, first of all, the extent that we can backstopping, you know, customer assets. And, you know, when you look at, at, at BlockFi, you know, we were, you know, able to get them to a place where they are really strong from a balance sheet perspective, you know, where they're able to continue operating full steam ahead, you know, with plenty of excess capital for customer assets. And, uh, you know, there's no contagion from it because there's no hole in the first place. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like Voyager or Celsius are likely to end up in similar situations. You know, it looks more likely that those are, are going to end up in situations where, you know, there are unfilled holes, mm-hmm. at least to some extent, and, and there are there is haircutting of customers, uh, but, but that's, and where there is some contagion from them. So that's the first thing that, that we tried to do. You know, the, the second piece of this was thinking about, well, okay, you know, once we've done what we can from that perspective, like, is there a deal here for us? And, you know, we're not trying to say, look, can we get an amazing deal? We're trying to say, can we get an okay deal here? You know, is there something where binding together all of the pieces of this, combining the backstopping with everything else, can we make it work out such that it's fine for us? You know, maybe even a small net win. And, you know, I'm optimistic that in some cases that will be true. I think in other cases it will not be. And that's okay. You know, we came into this knowing that these were not necessarily going to be winners for us. Uh, we're comfortable with that fact. And, you know, I think when you look at, at, at Voyager, you know, we'll see what happens. But best guess is like, you know, that's 70 million down the drain uh, mm-hmm. that we probably won't see again. And, you know, we had not very long to decide what to do. We thought hard about how to structure it, hard but quickly. We knew we didn't know everything, right? We knew that we were just going on our instincts there. And, and ultimately, what, what we decided was basically like, look, you know, we want to do something where, in theory, we could fully backstop the business. But also, we like, given that we don't feel confident in our understanding of what's happening here, you know, we, there's a limit to how much we want to just be throwing good money after bad mm-hmm. on this as well. And so the way we structured it was basically like there's 70 million that like, we knew we would maybe never see it, right? 70 million that we assumed that was going to be drawn immediately. And if there's mm-hmm. a bankruptcy, you know, we're not feeling too confident about getting that back. And then there's a larger line, which over time could have come into play in the cases where that really was able to help shore up the business and get them on, on good footing and where, you know, the whole turned out to be on the smaller side and things like that. When it comes to, Sam, companies like BlockFi, Celsius... Yep. It seems to me a lot of what happened, as you say, you know, there was an up only environment and, and it also was marketing. I would say kind of marketing gone wrong, Um, but, you know, advertising to people, put your coins in, they'll go up, look at this crazy yield. And especially in contrast with traditional savings accounts, I mean, even high yield savings accounts like Marcus by Goldman Sachs, I mean, the rates were eye popping and people went, wow, great. You know, and you see these stories where people say all my life savings were in there now that's their fault. They shouldn't have done that. But yep. uh, when it comes to marketing, I mean, what are the lessons learned there for you, uh, especially with FTX being a company that in the last couple of years has done a lot more uh, marketing and advertising? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, look, your marketing and your product should be reasonable and economically viable and sustainable. And, you know, it sounds kind of dumb to say, like, it sounds like, well, of course they should be, but, you know, sometimes they aren't, uh, is part of what we learned. And, you know, to drill into this a little bit more, and maybe just take an example, right, in the bar lending space, in the space where uh, Celsius and BlockFi and, and um, you know, others were active. You know, FTX International has a product, which is a, it is something of a yield product. Uh, it's our uh, peer-to-peer margin 
uh, bar lending book. But those are over collateralized loans. They're not under collateralized. And there's a 24 7 risk engine, which is monitoring it. Mm-hmm. And so it's very different from a risk perspective than what you see with the you know, OTC desks that do under collateralized loans without sort of collateral or real time risk engines. The flip side of this, right, is that sometimes the interest rates are a lot lower. And this gets to some of what you're saying right now, which is that like, what does it mean to have a sustainable, you know, relatively safe yield product? What it means is that like right now on FTX.com, if you look at what like dollars and bitcoins are, you know, being loaned out at and borrowed at, it's about 2% per year. That's like the current rate of them. And that is actually kind of in line with like reasonable interest rates. Now, this is a low demand environment right now for this particular product, right? At the peak, those rates did get higher, but they won't always be high because sometimes the answer is that they're just locally is a limit how much demand there is for, you know, for that product. And, and that is what it is. And, and you sort of have to accept that, you know, if you want to be, you know, I think if you want to be responsibly running this type of product, you have to be aware of that fact. And, and, you know, you, it, if it is designed correctly and safely, it probably will have lower yields in a lot of environment and your marketing should be in line with that, right? You shouldn't be marketing, you know, 20% yield forever, definitely safe. That's basically never the case that all those words go together, right? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And, and, you know, piggybacking off the marketing idea, the other thing that happened during the pandemic was all the big exchanges were advertising and doing sponsorships. You know, you and I have talked a bunch of times about the sports angle. I'll leave yep. that this time. But, you know, FTX, Crypto.com, Coinbase, seeing their names on arenas, seeing TV ads. It seems to me, and even more so, even more starkly now amid the crash, that when it comes to exchanges right now, at least my take, is it's kind of FTX versus Binance versus Coinbase. Do you see things that way? And do you think in those terms? Are you watching uh, your rivals, so to speak? So, you know, I, I definitely try to spend a lot more time thinking about, you know, what we should be doing as a business and then looking over our shoulders, so to speak. But at the end of the day, yeah, I know that sounds about right to me. Like, you know, it's obviously there's a push and pull here and, and things do morph a little bit over time. But I think that's like probably about roughly right in terms of, you know, as of now, where the sort of you know, where the biggest, you know, centers are in, in the exchange space and, you know, what we're sort of anticipating going forward. I give one caveat, which is about consumer retail side, right? Like Coinbase certainly is part of that, but there's a lot of other places and there's Robinhood, but then there's also places like PayPal, right? And, and, and in general, there's sort of a broader uh, distribution of places, some of which are not native on the, you know, long tail consumer side, but, but I think certainly for the, other demographics that that yeah. that's basically right. So things are so close now between you guys and Coinbase that depending on the day, you're swapping like second and third place behind Binance. You know, there's a big gap between yep. Binance and the rest. 
but you, you've almost certainly caught Coinbase, at least right now. You know, what do you think FTX could or will have to do to kind of like secure that spot? And, you know, do you aim to try to close the gap between you and Binance? I mean, it, it is a big gap. We're talking about billions. Yep. I mean, we certainly would aim to get as much as we can there and to keep growing. Uh, and, you know, in terms of what we can do to, to try and get there, you know, I, I, I think that like there are a bunch of pieces of this, but, you know, the first thing is we just have to keep building good products. Like that has been our bread and butter. And, you know, if we lose that, we've lost what made us, you know, work in the first place. And we have to keep, you know, a strong, coherent, constructive internal team culture, able to move nimbly but coherently, you know, to be flexible but thoughtful. And then, you know, outside of those things, I guess I would say we have to keep building, you know, what people want. Like we have to keep understanding, like, what direction are people looking for our product to go in? What do people wish they could do on FTX that they can't today? What does it take for us to get there? That's, you know, another thing that we're spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, and then thinking about, you know, what should we be doing on the regulatory side to be able to, you know, be as licensed and regulated as possible and to be able to offer, you know, a, a wide variety of products. So those are, I think, the things that we see as the biggest drivers for us. Talking about Coinbase and especially the retail side is a good segue, I think, to do regulation. And of course, the recent news, Sam, that the SEC came out and said, you know, we think that these nine tokens are unregistered securities. Turned out seven of them were, were listed by Coinbase, which hasn't delisted, but Binance went ahead. And I think part of this was kind of a competitive shot across the bow, but delisted one of them. What did you make of that, especially after so long of people saying, we want more regulatory clarity, we want more clarity? Well, here's some clarity, but you're not going to like it. It's a good question. And, you know, in the end, I, I think what's most important, what I would most like to see would be regulatory framework, registration frameworks coming out for both, you know, platforms and assets. And I'm optimistic that over the next year, we will see some, you know, uh, from multiple agencies. And I think that'll be really healthy for this space. I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, really awaiting that and think, think we might not be that far away. So, you know, that's, that's one piece of this. But outside of that, I, you know, I, I think that like, while it is the case that like, I really wish there were more clarity on, on registration frameworks. And I think that's really important and missing uh, to some extent right now from the ecosystem. I also do think it's a case that like, you know, that doesn't mean you can't make decisions in the meantime. Like, you know, that doesn't put you in a position where, you know, it is impossible to judge what anything is or something like that, you know, and we try and do the best we can uh, to understand, well, what products should we be, you know, launching, listing, which should we not be? And, you know, we, it's very intentional that we have listed your tokens on you know ftx us than i think many platforms have and that's because you know we're cognizant at least we like to think we're cognizant of you know what the major touch points are from a regulatory side and you know, ultimately we'd like to be in a world where there's a lot of guidance on this and we feel comfortable finding a licensed pathway to offer securities i mean we're offering stocks right now on ftx us to offer digital asset securities but you know in the meantime we are going to try and avoid listing things that that you know we think might end up being deemed to be possibly securities. And and so, you know, I do think that another piece of this is trying to be I cognizant to the world as it is. And then while while we're talking about the SEC policy, things like that, I do want to ask about the political contributions. Cause back during twenty twenty, you contributed millions to Joe Biden's campaign. 
Do you plan to, you know, kind of maintain that level of contributions for political candidates? And, you know, do you still feel like the the Democrats represent what you want to see happening in D.C.? It's a good question. And and my thought basically is, you know, will I continue to do it? Um, possibly. You know, we'll seriously consider doing so, but it depends on the details here. You know, it, it depends on what exactly, you know, happens going forward. It depends on, you know, what, what the various candidates and parties are doing. And, uh, you know, in terms of what, you know, what or, or whom that would be to, the answer is, you know, in the end, what I care about here is policy, not, not sort of partisan politics. And so, you know, what I'm looking for is who can have, you know, good constructive stances on the most important issues that our nation is facing rather than explicitly what party they're from. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could be from one party, it could be from the other, it could be both. You know, there's not any sense in which I'm going to be trying to force it to be from, you know, one party or a consistent party. Although I also, you know, I'm not going to try and force it to be exactly mixed, you know, equal between the two. Like the answer in the end is, I don't know, it, it just depends on like, you know, which candidates um, and, 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 you know, groups are trying to uh, do the most they can on pandemic prevention and, and other issues. So I want to ask a, a quick follow on that, because you, you have talked about the pandemic prevention before. I mean, yep. it's, it's very prescient right now, still, you know, years after the start of the pandemic. You know, what other issues make it up there for you as like really high priority? And I know not everything is crypto for you. I don't want to pretend right. that that's all you care about because I don't think it is. Yeah. So, you know, one piece of this is, you know, we'll see over time, like, you know, things will come up, which will be important for the world, which, you know, not everyone, you know, will perfectly predict, which I certainly won't perfectly predict. But I, you know, I I think that, like, I eventually expect AI policy to be a really important area. I'm less sure that it is today, because I, I don't, you know, right now, if you look at sort of what the most powerful AIs in the world look like, they're basically like a decent chat box. You know, it's not clear how important, how kind of like crucial that is right now. But, you know, we've seen AI grow exponentially. And, you know, you project out 10, 20 years, right? If you have continued growth, then maybe you don't, but 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 maybe you do, right? You might start approaching scenarios where AI is potentially in a position to reshape growth and where it's going to be really important what policy is on, uh, you know, on advanced computer systems. So, you know, I think that like, just fostering a, a bipartisan, constructive, cooperative attitude yeah. in D.C. is really important for getting things done and for being able to kind of tone down, you know, hyperpartisan, acrimonious rhetoric and, you know, move more back in a direction of working collaboratively uh, together. With uh, the things you want to accomplish, and by the way, speaking of D.C., Sam, you know, I've been told by a number of people beyond just the contributions, I've been told you're also good at the schmoozing. The kind of, you know, befriending and, you know, taking out some of the the people who work for various politicians. And I know that education is hard. I mean, a lot of this, when we talk about regulators, DC, it's just, there's a learning curve where they almost need to be taught how this stuff works before they can regulate. I want to ask you a little bit of an ephemeral, I mean, question when it comes to your own stature, your own celebrity. I mean, you're on billboards now. I was there in the Bahamas at your conference when you brought on Giselle and Tom Brady does that stuff help with this? Uh, how do you feel about all that? Sometimes the story, in many cases, it's not, you know, just FTX anymore, the company, it's you, the face of the thing. Yeah, it, it's, you know, there's a limit to how much control I have, ultimately, over what the story is, as as you say, you know, ultimately, the public chooses the story there, not me. And 
I don't know if it helps or hurts. Like, I think there's a little bit of a foot in the door effect, but like, I think that's overdetermined at this point. And so I, I think that like, you know, much more of it comes down to just how we try to interface with regulars, with politicians and, and with journalists and, and, and other people in, in sort of like areas of, of, you know, public importance is, you know, basically coming at this from the perspective of like, we're just going to try and be straightforward and honest about you know what we see. We're not going to try and approach this with a specific agenda. You know, we try really hard to make sure that we are being forthright when we think that there are counter arguments, you know, to, to, to what we're saying. And yeah, just really trying to approach things from a, a, a default perspective of, you know, here's our best guess about how this works, but it's complicated. Here is serve arguments the other way. And, you know, answer whatever questions with as much openness, you know, as we can have. And I think just establishing, you know, to the extent we can, a track record of that openness is really, uh, really important. I didn't necessarily hear there uh, directly what the fame is like for you. The magazine yeah. covers, the skyscrapers, the ads. <laughs> yeah, it's it like almost means weirdly little to me or something. I don't know. It's like, it, like from time to time, there it's like a little weird. Like, you know, it's it's less privacy that I'm, I'm, I'm used to having, certainly. But outside of that, it's, I don't know, it doesn't really, it affects my life surprisingly well. So I, I wanted to ask, and this is kind of looking back at something you said last year. This was the Ledger X acquisition. And I remember you sending this tweet saying that, you know, this is the most important thing we've done this year. So that was 2021. And I think that even got said around this time last year, too. So I'm just curious to know, like, have we already seen something this year that you think is the most important this year? Like, or, you know, what, what is, what is it going to take for something to rise to that level and kind of like get that spot for you for 2022? I, I think that like, I, I continue to think that was one of the most important things that, that we did mm-hmm. and, and that it's just like super high upside and it, it remains, you know, probably the single thing that I'm paying the most attention to right now. Uh, because I think it's just like incredibly important for the future of the ecosystem and, and for a company that, you know, we can bring the same level of liquidity and, and, and market access to the United States that, you know, people have had internationally. And, you know, hopefully over the next, you know, few months, year, you know, we will be able to make a lot of progress towards yeah. that. And I'm optimistic that we will, but, you know, we'll have to see for sure. Um, uh, and, uh, and that, you know, we'll be able to be in a position where there is a much more compelling offering in the States that, that people, you know, that, that has been the single biggest ask of our customers as long as I can remember. So, you know, I would say cautiously optimistic about that. It's been a ton of work, but it's been a, 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 a reasonable process from a lot of perspectives and, you know, grateful for all the time that, you know, I, that, that our regulators have put into understanding the space, um, so that they can oversee it effectively. That's very savvy. Yeah. <laughs> big, most important thing for two years running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When you look back since the founding of FTX, what has surprised you the most, especially when it comes to crypto? I mean, what have you learned or what, what has been uh, surprising in that path? I think that there are a lot of things that I, I had to learn. And some of it's just about running a company. Like some of this is about like, it's so, so easy to overhire, so hard to underhire. Like all of everyone's intuitions, including mine, are just wrong on that by default. And it just like things are so skewed in the direction of, you know, if you're not incredibly careful things become a mess internally and you have to, you know, I spend a lot of my time fighting against that. So that, that, that's maybe one piece of this. You know, another thing is in the end, 
it seems like there are a lot of areas where, you know, you can sort of dive in and make a lot of progress uh, if you're willing to put in the work and the effort and sort of push straightforwardly forward, even in things that seem like they should be too hard or that like are already, you know, busy areas or areas where, you know, it, it's saturated. Like, you know, I think sometimes the answer is actually like, no, you know, like you can, I, you really can set a new precedent in these places. And so I think I've, I've in general updated in the direction of like, you know, the world being less efficient and there being more opportunities to, uh, to push on that. All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming back on the GM podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. This has been GM from Decrypt. I'm Dan Roberts. I'm Stacey Elliott. And I'm Stephen Graves. GM is a Decrypt podcast produced by Red Rock Music. Our executive producer is Red Yoakum. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. And our audio engineer is Enrique Inahosa. For more from Decrypt, go to decrypt.co or download our mobile app. Subscribe and review us wherever you listen, and we'll meet you back here next time for more crypto conversation. GM. GM.